While no one knows what tomorrow may bring, Bridgestone is working toward a more positive outlook. With innovations like developing a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials. It's just one of the many ways Bridgestone is making a difference today, for generations to come. Because that's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Hey, everyone, it's Laura. While we're taking some time off during the holidays, I pulled this show about buying an affordable home from the archives for you. This is the last show in 2020, and I just wanted to say how grateful I am to have you listening. If you've sent me a question this year or reviewed the show or purchased one of my books or audiobooks, I can't thank you enough for your support. Whether you're doing great financially or you've really struggled in 2020, I hope you'll stay with me. I have a lot of great shows planned for 2021. The best way to improve your financial life is to keep learning. Trying new tools, new habits, and adopting new mindsets can be the key to unlocking your potential and achieving a lot more financial success. I'll be here giving you my best and holding you up every step of the way. Have a wonderful and safe holiday, and I'll talk to you next year. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another weekly episode of the Money Girl Podcast. I'm Laura Adams, your host and personal finance author, speaker, and consumer advocate who's been producing this show since 2008. My mission is to give you the knowledge, resources, and motivation to manage your money the best ways possible and create a richer life. I am so grateful that you have downloaded the show. It's going to be jam-packed with some great information, especially if buying a home is one of your financial goals. But I would say even if you feel like becoming a homeowner is not something that you're ready to do now or in the foreseeable future, stick with me. I think it's important important for everyone to understand the whole home buying process. And of course, you can always come back to this show and review the tips if and when you decide that you're ready to buy a home. You might be surprised to hear me say that I don't necessarily think buying a home is for everyone. It's something that may be right during certain seasons of your life. It may be right depending on where you live, but it really has to make financial sense as well as be something that is right for your lifestyle. I've enjoyed owning a home over many years of my life, but right now and for probably what the last four or five years I've rented while I've been in big cities and now I'm living on the beach and I have an incredible condo on the beach with an amazing view of the ocean. But it's not a condo or a place that I would necessarily want to own uh, at this time. It's great to be able to kind of close the door and walk away and not have to worry about it. So it can make sense at different times in your life. So keep that in mind as we're going through these steps. I'm, I'm not necessarily trying to convince you that buying a home is right, but I want you to be able to do it with as much education and knowledge about the process as possible 
if you do decide that it's right for you. And I will say that the journey to buying a home can be pretty daunting. You know, it it can be daunting, but also rewarding. So if you're ready to become a homeowner, I would say now is the time to get your finances in shape and figure out exactly how much you can afford. So in this podcast, I'm going to cover how to buy a home in eight steps. You'll learn some common pitfalls to avoid. You're going to learn some key affordability formulas. And I'm going to give you tips on how to get the best deal possible on your next home purchase. And you'll find the notes for this and every show with all the links to resources that I mentioned, plus the full archive of podcasts over in the Money Girl section at quickanddirtytips.com. This is episode number 611, Eight Steps to Buying a Home You Can Afford. All right, let's get started with each of the eight home buying steps. The first is prepare your credit for mortgage approval. You know, unless you've got loads of cash, you're going to need to finance a portion of your home's purchase price. Mortgage lenders review several aspects of your finances, including how much you have for a down payment, your income, your outstanding debt, and your credit. So without a good credit score, you're either going to be turned down for a mortgage or charged a high interest rate. Even paying just 1% more interest than you have to for a home loan means that you could be charged an extra $50,000 on a $200,000 30-year mortgage. So we're talking about real money here. If your credit is not in good shape, it could cost you big time. So take the time to improve your credit before applying for a mortgage. And if you're not really sure what's going on with your credit, one way to get a good overview is to visit annualcreditreport.com. That's the official site where you can get free copies from each of the three nationwide credit bureaus. Those are Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. So review your credit reports very carefully and dispute any errors. So some things to look out for might be accounts that are not yours. That's a very dangerous sign that you've been the victim of identity theft. Also look for incorrect loan balances. Uh, Also look for invalid late payments and get any of those errors corrected right away. I actually did a podcast that was very specific to building your credit before getting a home loan, and that's episode number 529 called Six Steps to Build or Repair Your Credit Before Buying a Home. That will give you very specific tips to get your credit in tip-top shape before you apply for a mortgage. So I would encourage you to take a listen to that show as well. All right, step number two is list the features you want and need in a home. So before you start looking for a home and go down any rabbit holes, really think about what you truly want and what you need. For instance, is having a condo with a short commute more important to you than having a house with a big yard? Would being on a quiet cul-de-sac take priority over a home? Let's say maybe it's on a busy street downtown, but it's got a gorgeous chef's kitchen. If you're buying a home as a couple, each of you should make a must-have features list. Each of you should rank the features in order of importance. You know, what is it that is truly important to you? And then compare your lists. Discuss these features as soon as you become serious home buyers. You're going to need to iron out what you're shopping for. And that's going to make buying a home so much smoother and enjoyable when each of you is on the same page. Step number three, figure out what you can afford. 
So once your credit is in good shape and you've got a general idea about the home features that you want, it's time to figure out what you can truly afford. So consider how much you have to put down, that's like cash in the bank that you can pay, and what is a comfortable monthly payment for you. Most lenders require you to put down at least 5% of a home's purchase price. For instance, if you purchase a $300,000 home, you're going to need to come to the closing table with at least $15,000, and your lender would contribute the remaining $285,000. Depending on your financial situation, in your credit situation, it is possible to qualify for a lower down payment. However, if you can put down more money, that's always better. If you can put down 20% or more, you get the additional benefit of not only getting a great interest rate, a very competitive interest rate, but you won't have to pay any private mortgage insurance or PMI. So in the long run, having a bigger down payment can save a lot of money. And by the way, if you're not sure what I'm talking about and you want to learn more about what PMI is, check out podcast number 436 called How to Avoid Private Mortgage Insurance on Your Home Loan. Remember that in addition to the mortgage payment, which is comprised of principal and interest, you also pay property taxes and insurance each month. Those four components of your monthly payment are known as PI. TI for short, so principal, interest, taxes, insurance. And you may also have a monthly condo fee or a homeowner association fee that you have to cover. In addition, there are a variety of closing costs that you typically must pay, such as a property appraisal, a home inspection is always very wise, title search, attorney's fees, and any other expenses that are customary for home buyers in your area. All of these must be factored into your budget and the cash amount that you can bring to the closing table. In some cases, a portion of your closing costs may be added to your mortgage. So if you're running a little light on cash, ask your lender how much of those costs can be rolled into your mortgage. Of course, that's going to mean a higher monthly payment and more interest paid over the long run. But if it's the only thing that you can do, definitely discuss that option. A general rule of thumb is that you can afford a mortgage up to three times your total annual household income. Now, everyone's financial circumstances and goals are different. So let's say you don't have any debt. Getting a mortgage that's up to four times your income might work for you. And if you've already got a lot of debt, you may need to borrow much less for a home. So that is just a rule of thumb. And also, lenders like to keep your debt-to-income ratio in the range of 36% to 42%, which includes the mortgage that you're seeking. For instance, let's say your gross annual income is $100,000 and your annual debt payments plus your new mortgage, they should not exceed $36,000 up to $42,000. Dividing that by 12 gives you total monthly debt limits in the range of $3,000 to $3,500. So those would be good debt ranges to have if you have income of $100,000. If you apply this debt-to-income ratio to your household income, what you can do is subtract out your existing debt And then what's left over may be a suitable mortgage payment for you. However, I'm going to urge you to be conservative. 
if you get the highest mortgage possible and then you don't have enough breathing room to save for retirement or to meet other financial goals, that would be a major financial mistake. And no matter if you rent or buy a home, a good guideline is to keep your housing cost under 30% of your gross income. If you can keep it under 20%, that would give you the best chance to save regularly for the future, pay down debt, and keep up with maintenance and unexpected repairs for your home. If you can't meet the debt limits that I've just covered, you want to consider buying a less expensive home or maybe waiting until you save a larger down payment or you have higher income. Okay, moving on to step number four, get pre-approved for a mortgage before shopping. If you're ready to start shopping for your dream home, please do not get sidetracked with online searches or going on tours with real estate agents until you get pre-approved for a mortgage. A pre-approval is a lender's commitment to give you a loan up to a certain amount for a period of time, such as 30 to 60 days. If you go shopping for a home without being pre-approved for a mortgage, you could be wasting a lot of time, your time, a real estate agent's time, and definitely the seller's time. It can also save you the disappointment of falling in love with a home that you find out is not in your price range. Believe me, this is going to save you a lot of heartache. Another advantage of being pre-approved for a mortgage is that a seller will know that you're serious maybe more serious than a competing buyer who is not pre-approved. So when you do find the perfect home, you'll be able to complete the paperwork quickly and make the deal happen. Just remember that you don't have to borrow the full amount that you're pre-approved for. So go back to the previous step and remember that you need to buy a home that fits your goals, not one that will strain your finances to the breaking point. You have the final say in what you're comfortable spending on your home. Getting a mortgage is a major commitment. If renting saves you money so you can accomplish your financial objectives, then that may be the way to go. But if buying a home has more advantages for you and you're willing to put down some roots, then I'd encourage you to make owning an affordable home one of your goals. All right, we're on step number five, which is find a great real estate agent. Now that you have a mortgage pre-approval in hand and you know how much you want to spend, it's time to find a really great agent. Most agents earn commissions that are paid by the seller. So as a buyer, you have the benefit of working with a real estate professional for free. Just remember that an agent represents the party who pays them and they should disclose that information to you. If you want an agent to represent you as a home buyer exclusively, you must work with a buyer's agent. They may charge you directly or split a commission with the listing agent who's paid by the seller. A buyer's agent has the same access to homes listed for sale that a seller's agent does, but they owe you a fiduciary duty to work for your best interests in negotiations. No matter if you choose a listing or a buying agent, choose one that's knowledgeable, personable, and seems like the best fit for you. A good agent acts as both a project manager and a psychologist, to tell you the truth. They really help you navigate through a myriad of tasks and negotiations that have to be completed before a seller gives you the keys. Step number six, make a reasonable purchase offer. When you find a home that has the purchase price and all the features you want, it's time to make an offer. But first, 
make sure that it is priced to sell. Ask your real estate agent to pull the listing and selling prices of similar homes nearby that sold within the last six months. If comparable properties or quote comps as they're known in the business have been selling for let's say 5% less than the listing price, you'll know to subtract at least that much from what the seller is asking. Depending on the market, you might offer even less to have some room for negotiation. However, if you're in a seller's market, a low offer could mean that another buyer swoops in and takes the property with a higher offer. So make an opening bid carefully and remember that a seller can reject your offer or come back to you with a higher counteroffer. And once you've settled on an opening bid, it's customary to put it in writing. So each state has a standard form for buying real estate that your agent will help you complete. The main thing to remember with real estate is that the sky is the limit when you're making an offer. You know, you can negotiate anything, but I would say don't go crazy with that. For instance, you could create a contract addendum that asks the seller to pay some or all of your closing costs. You could ask for the crystal chandelier that makes the dining room look picture perfect. But again, don't be so demanding that you're going to spoil the deal. All right, step number seven work through contract contingencies. Once a seller does accept your offer or your counter-counter offer, it's time to work through each contingency in the contract as quickly as possible. You or your agent must get a copy of the signed contract to your lender right away, and then they're going to require a home appraisal to determine whether the property is really worth the price that you've agreed to pay. Lenders typically also require a land survey, which is a map of the property boundaries that shows where structures are located. The lender needs to know that the detached garage or the fence isn't sitting on the neighbor's property by mistake or vice versa, which could create a significant problem down the road. Your lender will order those services and perhaps others depending on what's customary in your area. You and your agent will be in charge of satisfying other contingencies, such as a satisfactory home or termite inspection. If expensive repairs are found, you can ask the seller to repair them or to lower their price. If they don't agree, you can walk away from the deal without penalty, as long as that contingency is included in the contract. So that's why these contingencies are so important. If the deal doesn't work out, remember... There will always be another home. I know it gets disappointing, but you can't let your emotions get the best of you during a home negotiation. My grandmother, who was in real estate most of her life, always told me real estate and homes are just sticks and bricks. Remember that, sticks and bricks. You can't let your emotions get the best of you. And the final step, number eight, is close the deal. If you made it through all the contingencies in a real estate contract, you're in the home stretch for the closing. Your agent will receive a closing disclosure from your lender or maybe from the escrow agent at least three days before the scheduled closing. The disclosure is a really important five-page document that you need to review carefully. It lists all the details of your mortgage loan terms, monthly payments, and each charge that you're going to have to pay at closing. You'll need to come to the closing with a cashier's check to cover what you owe or wire funds if you're doing a remote closing. 
And one final task that you and your agent should complete before you sign closing paperwork is a walkthrough. And if you're not there, you're, perhaps your agent can do that for you. That's your last chance to look at the property and make sure that nothing has changed. The closing agent or attorney will go through the closing statement with you line by line. Be sure to ask any questions if you don't understand something. Then you'll review and sign piles of mortgage documents until your hand cramps up. And then you can say, congrats, you are the proud owner of a new home. All right, let me review these steps. Number one, prepare your credit for mortgage approval. Number two, list the features that you want and need in a home. Number three, figure out what you can afford. Number four, get pre-approved for a mortgage before shopping. Number five, find a great real estate agent. Number six, make a reasonable purchase offer. Number seven, work through contract contingencies. And number eight, close the deal. If you have a money question or an idea for a future show topic, I would love to hear it. We have a voicemail line if you'd like to call in your question or comment at 302 three six four zero three zero eight or you can email me by visiting my contact page at lauradadams.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Money Girl podcast so you're notified when each new episode is available. Money Girl is produced by the audio wizard Steve Rickyberg with editorial support from Karen Hertzberg. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. That's a super easy, free way to give back and show your support. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes that are always available at quickanddirtytips.com. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, here's to living a richer life. While no one knows what tomorrow may bring, Bridgestone is working toward a more positive outlook. With innovations like developing a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials. It's just one of the many ways Bridgestone is making a difference today, for generations to come. Because that's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.